0: You'll know when you have a
1: wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create.
2: This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating the space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were
0: born wild.
1: Just a quick note about the recording. Jessie was having some complications with her internet, so everything's a little choppy. Um, I did my best in the editing um, and enjoy her story. It's amazing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sophia. Um, and today we've got three birthdays. Um, and it's okay. You might hear a baby talking throughout the video. <laughs> um, yes. today, I have with me my client, but my also, my dear friend Jesse. Um, and yeah, I'll throw it over to you and you can. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, and then we'll we'll hear your birth
2: story. Okay. Hi there. Um, my name is Jessie. I'm a mother of three. And um,
3: yeah, I have, I have two beautiful
2: daughters, 11 and seven. And then I have this wonderful little nine-month-old boy um, who I'm going to try to put down and
3: <laughs> he goes for it
1: and we met Camelia was three is that right I think she uh, was
3: three yeah
1: yeah because our husbands go way back Right. (laughs) yeah when I barely knew Spencer I in I wanted to do a surprise party for him but I didn't know any of his friends so I just like Snuck in his phone when he was in the shower or something. It was like, who does he text all the time? I'm going to invite those people. And so it was the most random assortment of people. Like, somebody oh, showed up. He's perfect. like, I hardly know that person, but they like came to his surprise <laughs> <throat> <laughs> party. <laughs> uh, but that's where I met you the first time. And you only had one that's baby. That's
2: right.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: I only had one baby. And um, I was actually planning on conceiving at that point because that was September right I was planning on conceiving but I had like big plans for the next conception because um I'm kind of jumping into the middle birth but anyway the the uh the blood moon was coming up there was like a a whole blood moon coming up on October 8th which happened to be a very good friend of mine's birthday and I was like I want to conceive on that day you know (laughs) and um we were sleeping out we sleep outside during the summertime into the fall and so we were sleeping outside during that time during this uh lunar eclipse and we did conceive that night wow. so that was exciting um so I only had one baby but the second one was already in the works
1: on her way yeah yeah as, I, um, as well
2: as your your first too, yeah mine
1: right? yeah I think we conceived that night oh
3: wow how cool
1: (laughs) yeah um i forgot that you guys sleep outside in the summertime i love that it's so awesome
3: yeah we just
2: packed it in like i think two weeks ago Mm -hmm. a week ago or so we've been outside all this time yeah it's it's so wonderful
1: yeah awesome okay let's yeah let's jump back so wherever the journey starts wherever that is
2: um you can start well okay the um, to me, this journey starts with meeting Pablo. Mm-hmm. Um, Pablo's um from Mexico, and I was kind of calling in a partner. you know, i i um, I was introduced to him. Um, by a mutual friend who purposefully match made us and was like actually successful which is kind of amazing yeah so i met pablo and i i left that you know meeting thinking i would like to be with somebody like that Um, but i was kind of too afraid to say that particular person you know so um, but then i was just really calling in someone that i you know asking the universe i was that was for someone i was connected to in all uh aspects, you know, and then um Pablo and I went on our first date about a month later and we were yeah. together every night since then. And um, probably about two weeks in, I had this moment of like, wow, this is the father of my children, which is like kind of mm-hmm. crazy. And maybe it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah. it is how it worked out. Yeah. Um
3: so then
2: Not even a year later, um, probably, I don't know, six months, six to nine months later, I told Pablo, I think that we needed to have children. (laughs) I was ready. Um, Well, so I was open to it. Uh, I I had uh, an IUD at the time and I said, you know, it could take a couple years, who knows? I got a wiggly guy here. But I said, it's gonna take a couple years, maybe. I mean, it could, you never know. Um, But I am, you know, energetically open to it. So why don't I take my IUD out and we'll see what happens. Just, you know, to be in alignment, I'll be physically available to that. So um, I had been told to take my IUD out, during my period because it would be less painful because my cervix would already be open, you know? And so that's what I did. And then, uh, we went to, on a trip to Mexico and, um, I got really sick. Um, you know, Montezuma's revenge kind of thing. And I had a dream being really sick that that night I had a dream that I went to like a little, hut, um, like a little straw hut kind of thing, and saw some um, medicine woman who told me I was pregnant. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and then the kind of sick feeling never went away. I just felt like I was kind of perpetually carsick for a while, you know? Um, and then, uh, so once we got back home, I took a test at about six weeks, and and I was pregnant, um, so it was like, it was like, okay, well,
1: Here we no go. turning back now, <laughs> you, know? Like that, you know, oh, we'll open the door to a baby, and some people only need to crack a window, and <laughs> the baby's like, hello,
2: so true, so true, yeah, so my first pregnancy, like my 40 weeks started, you know, from the last period, that was the day that I took my IUD out, um, and then, so that was um, really exciting. You know, I was uh, 29 and just, it was a super easy pregnancy. And I was I've been thinking about this, uh, podcast and trying to think of where I first even heard about home birth. Um, I don't know. I have no idea how it came into my, um, you know, consciousness and it's not really, I didn't know a lot of people that had done home births. I only had one friend who had, um, kids at all. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I know she had wanted home births and she had eventually chosen not to, but anyway, so, um, it was just something that really resonated with me. I wanted to just do as natural as possible. And I, um, uh, you know, watched a lot of home birth videos and um, got ready that way. And that was really fun. I read a bunch of books that could try to help guide me, you know, and um,
1: Pablo was always on board with home birth.
2: He was always on board. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. He was, um, we did some interviewing with the, um, with several, several midwives and Um, I chose kind of a matronly midwife out of them because I wanted kind of like a mother figure Mm -hmm. to be taking care of me you know and then the first meeting we had with her as uh, the client she offended Pablo he's like how about we go with my choice (laughs) so he ended up choosing our um, midwife which was really great you know she ended up being a friend of ours and, um, I, I did connect with her much better, but it was kind of funny, but um, (laughs) he's, he's a good people person. Um, so, um, I, for this, for my first birth, I decided to go with an OBGYN through the whole pregnancy and my midwife and, um, Pablo, I think went with me to the first meeting and the, that, um, was very unpleasant Mm. (laughs) with the OBGYN. Um, the guy, um, the doctor did not like that. I, I, okay. So I refused all, I don't know, electronic devices. I don't know what, what you call them, but I did want a Doppler. I didn't want, any anything? I said, do you have a fetoscope? And they're like, maybe we have one somewhere. Let me try to go
0: well, dig one out of a dusty a
2: corner. And, and I'm sure he didn't know how to use it either. Yeah. Um, and it was so early on; it was you know, and so he's like, well, the only way I can verify your pregnancy is manually. So he like palpated from inside and outside to like decide I was pregnant. And then afterwards, Pablo and I were like, I don't think that was right. You know, it was like, that was, it, it was definitely a power move, you know, and it, I didn't know it was like a power move in front of the husband kind of thing. It was really a, a weird this and speak uh, about that doctor's uh you know misbehavior i just he was very very um belittling you know and very um condescending because of my choices
1: and like the fact that you couldn't come in and say i'm pregnant he's like wonderful he's like not until i say you're pregnant Are yeah you pregnant?
2: <laughs> right <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I honestly, I've never even heard of someone verifying a pregnancy that way. It's like, well, what about a p test or a or a um uh, you know a urine test or a a blood test? You know yeah,
3: yeah I haven't either.
2: um, so anyway, after that, I yeah, so anyway, i I did continue with the OBGYN office with a different doctor throughout my pregnancy. Um, And then I was concurrently visiting the midwife and also doing chiropractic care and also doing um, acupuncture. And it was like, I was completely overwhelmed by too many appointments. I had no idea how many yeah. I mean, I, I just, that wasn't part of my normal life. And then all of a sudden I was just like going to all these appointments. Um, but the pregnancy was easy. There were zero complications at all.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, um, I got to 41 weeks, um, and this OB a different OBGYN, but that same office, they, um, so all along I had been de- denying, um, ultrasounds and stuff. And they said, you have to get an ultrasound because you're overdue and we need to make sure that the baby has enough fluid and you have to have a stress test. Um, and you know, the way they worded, I didn't even know that I could say no, really. And, um, and, uh, you know, they, of course I wanted a healthy baby. I didn't want to, my baby to be in danger so I did allow a uh ultrasound at 41 weeks which I actually I actually loved it because it was really exciting to see you know all the little baby parts you know but I didn't want to know the gender um and he did make it as brief as possible um and uh there was enough fluid my midwife was like just drink gallons of water on your way to the office Mm -hmm. and um that's what I did. It worked. Um, but I started to get kind of, uh, impatient. I wanted to meet my baby, you know? And, um, so I was seeing, um, my acupuncturist and she was going out of town or something. And, and she would keep checking me to see if I was like ripe for induction and so they have you know specific things that they do to be to help uh induce labor but you have to be ready to be induced and so she kept checking me and I was not ready to be induced and I was getting um impatient you know like well isn't induction just getting you started why do you have to be ready to be
3: induced you know (laughs)
2: um and uh and then she like, she had to go to Austria or something. And she's like, I'll give you these blue and black cohosh herbs that you can take if you want to, that are, that will induce labor. Um, so I, at I don't know, 40, well, somewhere 41 and a half weeks, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, I was like, I'm going to take these herbs. And uh, I didn't talk to my midwife about it and they started contractions um and that was like on a friday evening and so i started probably 10 minutes apart contractions really easy and uh they were just you know not i mean i could have a conversation it was just like just some early contractions and um that was exciting because the baby was coming you know and uh and but then they went I went to bed and they stopped. So I took a little. I took some herbs, I guess, in the morning again, and and they went and continued um, into Saturday. And then I called my midwife and I told her, and she's like, "You took these induction herbs without talking to me," (laughs) Um, which. I suppose in retrospect, I should have, but I didn't realize that at the time. Um, And so that started uh, a lot of days of contractions. Um, I didn't take any more herbs after that contractions, just kept going from Saturday through till Tuesday night when she was born. Um, So it was a really, really long labor and um do the first time
1: couple... to first time baby it was gonna be a really long labor or do you feel like the herbs like artificially drew that, out yeah, started I
2: think on? you know knowing what I know now I would just not mess with it no matter what I would because I feel like the baby was not ready and uh And my body is like, okay, I guess we're doing some contractions now. (laughs) I guess we got to get it out, you know, Um, but I don't think
1: is, you know, your baby comes or it does nothing. And worst case scenario is I feel like it causes like irritable uterus and you're just kind of like up for a few days with contractions, but not like bringing the baby. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So it just, I feel like it just, uh, exactly, you know, and so, um, I slept for a couple nights, you know, in between contractions and just tried to go for a lot of walks and try, I mean, I thought the baby was coming like on Saturday, you know, <laughs>
0: cause
2: I didn't know. <laughs> um, and then it just went on and on. And, um, so then, okay, then we got to Monday and things were not picking up. Um, it was just still like some contractions sometimes, you know, and they were probably all around 10 minutes apart, just constantly since Saturday. And it was, it was a lot um, to just keep going and keep going, you know, Um, and it got just got harder and harder. And then um, about I I had a a mango popsicle on Monday afternoon, and then I uh, threw up. And then Every hour I threw up oh. every single hour. I just would throw up again. And, and that was the last thing I ate until Tuesday night. Um, so I was, uh, that made it, that was probably the worst part of the, uh, the, uh, first birth is just vomiting that much and having nothing to vomit. You know, it was very painful. Um, So got to Monday night, went to bed sleeping in between contractions and my water broke. Um, But my contractions were so far apart. And I also had, you know, from my midwife, I heard about all the first timers who call too soon, blah, 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 you know, so I'm like, okay, my water's broken, but the contractions are still. Far apart so i'm not going to even call her and tell her
1: guys we're still just doing this on your own for this number of days she wasn't yeah okay.
2: yeah yeah pablo and, it was just pablo and i mm-hmm.
3: um
2: and yeah I, you know I, I don't think i even i don't think i even woke pablo up when my water broke i think it was just like well still not happening try to keep sleeping you know? <laughs> <laughs> So at at 7 I think I got a call from my midwife and she's like how are things going you know and and uh, I'm like oh fine contractions are still far apart my water broke last night she's like oh okay you didn't call okay i'm coming <laughs> over
1: <laughs> she's like you're going to call me for the birth right <laughs>
2: yeah right <laughs> um so she came Um, And checked me and I was seven centimeters dilated. So that was exciting. I was like, okay, this is happening today. The water's broken. I'm very dilated. Things are happening. So um, we just spent the day at the house trying to pick things up, really. You know, it was like my contractions just never picked up ever. They just, it was all day long of, you know, 10 minutes maybe five minutes I don't know I tried getting in the birth tub and my contraction slowed down and then uh we tried so many different things she gave me another um I think it was blue or black or both cohosh uh herbs and that brought on like a super contraction or something and she's like okay we're not going to do that and um I did an enema, I did, um, I don't know, I spent a long time in the shower on the birth ball, that that was, like, pretty relieving, but, um, we tried so many things, and nothing would pick up my labor, um, and then, uh, I had to have an IV, because I had been vomiting every hour, um, and I, you know, I was exhausted, and, and, uh, and uh dehydrated so I had an IV and um so (laughs) towards the end of of things I was going up and down my stairs um two or three at a time to try and be active and get the labor active and uh we it was a it was a spring day this was March 29th um it had been super rainy we'd had we only had a wood stove so we'd had a, we had a fire burning um but that day the sun finally came out it was a beautiful day and um maybe you know the chimney is by the stairs and maybe I got a little overheated I don't know but um I was going up and down the stairs back and forth two at a time to try and get the labor going and Pablo was following me. <laughs> the IV bag up and down the stairs and um, my midwife uh, checked the heart rate of the baby with the Doppler and I maybe took my temperature too but anyways it was all of a sudden time to go to the hospital Um, it was like her heart rate was too high or too low I don't know anyway baby was in danger. I was in danger. It had been too long. And this was at like eight o'clock at night that my water had been broken for for, uh, probably 20 hours. And um, so I showed up at the hospital with (laughs) naked with one arm through my bathrobe. The other one didn't go through the bathrobe because I had the ID and I'm just like rolling in. Hi, I'm here. (laughs) Ready. And so that had been like a really super long labor um, that was very difficult. I was totally exhausted by the that and, and totally discouraged and dejected by the time I got to the hospital. And um, so I was like, I just want the easy way out at this point. Just cut me open. I don't even care. I don't care about having a natural birth anymore that's yeah. not important just get the baby out the,
1: like overrated map gas yeah. out out. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: totally. put the the white mask over
3: over yeah. my, you the know, you over know, my head
1: you get so um like in distress that you like can't even think rational you know it's yeah
3: yeah and
2: you know it wasn't like you know we were still all it, it wasn't like emergency flight everyone was freaking out at all it was like okay let's get in the hospital and go um so it wasn't it wasn't that kind of um no one was freaking out but i was yeah it was i was tired and um so we got to the hospital in the hospital room the doctor comes in and he starts talking to me about a c-section and he's like, I know you don't want one. I know you wanted a home birth, but it looks like that's probably what we're going to probably have to do. And I'm like, do whatever you have to do. <laughs> and my midwife goes, don't you want to look at her chart? <laughs> Cause she had been, you know, doing the notes all uh, on the labor the whole time. And she knew that I was at like nine and a half centimeters. There was, um, Cause she had, she had also checked me and there was like, you know, a little lip that she uh-huh. couldn't push out of the way or something. So then he checked me and he's like, Oh, we're having this baby right now. And so <laughs> it was, um, so I was able to have a almost natural birth. Um, I was given Pitocin to get my, um, my, uh, contractions picking up and going. And uh, really, I feel like the worst part of my hospital experience was those monitor bands over my belly. They were excruciating. It was these tight, itchy things, and it felt very, very painful. And I just wanted them to go away and they made me keep them on. Um, But everyone was really nice. And um, the doctor really respected that I wanted to have a, a natural birth and he he um actually he knew i didn't want to have any i mean i i agreed to pitocin to get the contractions going and he but he knew i didn't want any pain medicine and but the baby was just not coming out and so he manually it like turned her head um to get her kind of straight to in the right position to come out. And that was excruciatingly painful without pain medication. Yeah. Um and and she turned her head back to where she wanted it, um, which was not the not the way to get her out. Um so then he used forceps to turn her head and and um that was less painful than a hand in there, but it it um, it was still, you know, anyway.
1: Forceps inside you. She turned her head back
2: again. He just, what's that?
1: I said it was forceps inside you. <laughs> like I can imagine. Yeah, it was forceps and I did
2: not want forceps. And I, I didn't really know very much about forceps ahead of time. And I just felt they were like an ancient barbaric um, instrument. And, and uh, but I chose forceps over a C-section at that, in that moment, you know? Um, so after the manual turning, he used the forceps to turn her head and she turned it back again. And finally he said, I have to use a deeper set of forceps and you cannot do it without pain medicine. So um he then I got an epidural and that was such a relief. <laughs> I was like ah, I don't feel these tummy bands anymore. Uh, so like if I <laughs> um, was kind so of like,
1: like I might as well say that numb. again. It's like if I'm going to be tortured like this I might as well be numb.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So he um was able to turn her and keep her straight and I pushed her out and um he helped I mean when she was actually coming out he got Pablo so that Pablo could catch her um and that was so sweet Pablo had her like this and her head was here and her bottom was here and her back was to him and um the everyone was like what is it? What is it? Because they wanted him to say if it was a boy or a girl. Uh-huh. And all of I was in front of him over we here the midwives and the nurse and, and he's like, I don't know. <laughs> because he couldn't see because he was like, he had this slippery brand new baby and everyone could see except him except because him. he was turned away from her. It was so, so cute. Um, so then, um, that was it we spent the least amount of time as ho- as possible in the hospital we were out of there as soon as we could and uh went home and and had a wonderful postpartum easy um they i was able to bring home my placenta and we planted it under a pomegranate tree hmm. and um she's wonderful that was camellia <laughs> <She is> wonderful
3: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: nursing went really well
2: and nursing went really well yeah um with each with all three of mine um I have had like a six week window of pain of nursing (laughs) you know like cracked hurting sore nipples um but there were no you know there were no latching issues or anything um it was just for me just par for the course I don't know it, I, I would love to think that that weren't always a necessity, that six-week window of pain, but um, I, I consider it no, no issues.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, and uh, we started doing EC with her at like two or three weeks. I had learned about that um, when I was about eight months pregnant, and it really resonated. With yeah, for me. anyone
1: who doesn't know what EC is, it's elimination communication. And um, we have an, a whole episode that discuss it. So I'll link that episode in the show notes. Oh, cool. So yeah. More about it.
2: Yeah. Like, Everyone should know about it. I want to put the diaper companies out of business.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: um, so, and then we'll skip ahead to the second. Um, yeah, second.
1: We, we heard conception. <laughs>
2: Her conception, and that one, um, I also had an IUD in between the two, and that one, um, I took out the week after my period, so I was, with the 40 weeks, I was pregnant a week before I took out my, um, (laughs) before I took out my IUD, not really, because,
3: Uh, you know, it was because
2: I conceived a week after. Yeah. Anyway, it w- went all according to plan. And um that time I cut down on my um my appointments. I only saw midwife. I it was done with the, you know, um, I forget the word, but anyway, I was done with the OBGYNs and the Western medicine. I was all for just midwives, um, and it was another easy easy pregnancy. Um, I didn't do that. I I did acupuncture. I did not do chiropractor Mm -hmm. and, um, I, at, at some point I tested a little anemic. So I started taking some iron supplements and I did bone. I was, I was prescribed bone broth every day. Um, but other than that, that was really the only thing that was kind of different from the first one. Um, And uh, all went smooth, all went smoothly. Um, I was due on July 1st and um, July 4th, my band, I'm in a band, uh, my dad's band, and uh we always perform the, the Calistoga Parade and Calistoga uh, fair. So I was up on a on a float in the in the um Calistoga Parade and, and we, we did a show um that evening at the fair and that and then I went on a tilt to whirl because the by the And I had, you know, a little four-year-old and my four-year-old niece and, um, I was over, not overdue, but I was over my 40 weeks and I was like, maybe a -a tilt-a-whirl will do it, you know? Um, so my contractions did start at the fair, (laughs) um, and that was also like a really gentle, easy start to the the labor, uh, just kind of eased my way into it. And uh, so that was a Saturday night and I labored all day Sunday and contractions just kind of did their thing and um, through to Monday morning. And I, Monday, I told Pablo he could go to work and, I think I should have told him to stay, but, um, cause things were a little, um, a little more progressed at that point. So I, I should have told him to stay, um, just to, for the support. It was me and Camelia home, um, yeah. for the day, uh, doing that. And, and by the time he got home, I was like really in late. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, so I don't know, I called my midwife somewhere around then probably and said it's a good idea to come. She had known obviously that I was, that I had been having contractions for the couple of days. Um, but I said, things are actually happening now.
3: This and this the same midwife?
2: She, different midwife. Um, okay. My first midwife was in Costa Rica and she got me in touch with uh, an associate of hers.
3: So,
2: um, yeah. And, uh, then, yeah, so different midwife and she came and I had some, I called a friend to take care of Camellia, um, so that I wouldn't have to be, uh, Mm-hmm. mommy, you know, yeah, mom. yeah, <laughs> right. I brought a friend who knew how to deal with young children and knew how to say no. Yeah.
1: yeah. Taking <laughs> snacks
3: in, to, in the middle of
2: labor. Yeah. Do snacks, to... get her to bed, you know, play with her, do whatever was necessary. So she showed up probably around 10 or so. Um, and uh, I had a birthing tub and I labored for quite a while in the tub and the baby had been like through not the whole pregnancy but as far as i could tell the last part of the pregnancy like in the perfect birthing position of head down and i could always feel her back and her little rump mm-hmm. um and then in the birthing tub i was like reclined like this you know belly up laboring for a quite a long time and unbeknownst to me she flipped around um, to be uh face up Mm. and I think that I think it was just kind of when I was laboring like that 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 happened um and then so I had to throw up um and when when I was in the tub and they brought me a bucket and I threw up and I was like oh great this is the beginning of the every hour for days of vomiting I have that far to go um luckily it was only the one time (laughs) in transition um (laughs) uh so then I had like a futon set up and, and I was on the futon and I never felt the urge to push um, this baby out. And I don't actually remember who decided it was time for me to push because I never felt the urge to push. And um, maybe my midwife checked me and maybe she did a vaginal exam and said, okay, you know, it's t- Yeah. Maybe you're fully dilated. So, uh, okay. So I wanted to try the, um, uh, to like a squatting position and up upright position and, uh, had Pablo squeezing my hips and my midwife told me that I was not making, I mean, it wasn't that I felt, uh, like a innate need to be in that position. I just knew that that was a birthing position and wanted to try it. Yeah. Um, so we tried it and my midwife was like, this is not working as well. So you should do side lying. That was working better. So um, that's what we did. And I, from what I recall, she was coaching me to push like the whole time that I was pushing. Um, Cause I, like I said, I never felt the urge to push. And, um, so she did stick her little head out, sunny side up, uh, and, uh, she looked around the room and then closed her eyes again. It was just, like, so peaceful and sweet, and then I pushed out her body,
3: mm.
2: and, um, you little cutie, mm-hmm. little one mm-hmm. here, as you can hear, um, and, uh, she latched on um right away and there was no problems with that um here honey and uh Camellia, i forgot so she had been up and down kind of the um until bedtime and then she was put to bed at bedtime and then when we thought I guess probably when I first started pushing, we thought the baby was going to be born, right? And so my friend went and got her out of bed and she came down and she was so grumpy and she just wanted to go back to bed. (laughs) And so we let her go back to bed and the baby didn't come at that time. I don't know how long I pushed for. Um, And then somehow she was, like she knew when the baby actually was going to be born because she i think she woke up or maybe when the my friend went to get her she was just like all for it and she was so present so she um and and this was i think at one o'clock in the morning um and she just was there for the emergence of her sister which was really wonderful um so i had uh you know i was
3: uh kind of nursing
2: Carmen and Camellia. She brought a little her baby over to be with us. It was so cute. Um and then yeah, post like uh postpartum was easy and um and I felt great. I I didn't have any symptoms or issues with um postpartum at all and I was uh, vacuuming a day or two later waiting for my family to visit
3: the Posting time yeah.
2: Yeah (laughs) better put on my heels and apron and (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking about that but anyway um I put I put um we have one little dress that was my dad's when he was a baby uh and i put carmen in this little dress when my grandma came to meet her Mm -hmm. and uh i said do you recognize this dress and she goes "Mm, i'd be lying if i said i did (laughs) (laughs) and um i was like this was my dad's and she goes oh that was a long time ago, because <laughs> he was almost 70 at the time. So it was almost 70 years ago, and I expected her to remember a baby dress. But anyway, um, so, yeah, nursing went well. I had the, the six weeks of sore nipples, but, um, oh, I did have a little bit of mastitis, but it went away really easily. Um just, I don't even remember doing anything specific for it, except maybe changing nursing positions to the football hold or something like that. Um, I resolved. Easily. Yeah. And, uh, it was all easy. Mm-hmm. And so then it was all easy. Carmen's wonderful mm-hmm. and easy. Yeah. And,
3: uh, so now we're, um, However,
2: many years later,
3: six, six years later, jumping mm-hmm. ahead um, to
2: another, another IUD, uh, mm-hmm. taking out planning of the third child, mm-hmm. Did
1: and. You guys- um, plan to have like a big gap like that did you think you were done and changed your mind or was that always part no of the- I
3: you know I prefer
2: I never wanted to have kids really close together um like two years does not appeal to me at all because I I I want to be able to give each child each baby and toddler the attention that I feel like they need to feel secure
1: yeah, um, Amelia was uh, three when you got pregnant, or no?
2: Yeah, she was three when I got. Married.
1: So a three age gap. They're a
2: little bit over four years apart. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And um, so I feel like three or four years maybe is re- really good spacing. Mm-hmm. And with the third, with the gap with the third, it was just a matter of timing. I did not plan it to be that long. And we weren't totally sure that we wanted a third one, but it wasn't that we did think we were done. It was just, it was kind of a question mark. Yeah. And um, And then when we decided that I, I mean, I was kind of gearing up towards it and I had actually a lot of dental issues. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had, it probably took like a year to get my dental issues in order mm-hmm. before I felt like, you know, I just felt like that had to, I my mouth had to be healthy in order to be pregnant um, because uh, I I just generally have weak teeth and I felt, you know, they, I mean, it, I don't know if it's actually true or not, but they say about um, babies, you know, taking the calcium or whatever. And I just, I took, I take extra calcium
3: during pregnancy.
1: Yeah. They really What's that? like, they just pull a lot from you, you know, and like, they'll, yeah, they'll be fine right. because they'll take everything they need. And exactly. then how does, it, how does it leave you? <laughs> you know?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I was concerned that I would like lose a lot of teeth this time. Around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, <laughs> So, um, I, uh, yeah, I, I got the dental work in order and then, uh, that took a little while. And then, uh, later than I planned, um, I was ready to conceive and, um, so I have always been really gotten along really well with leos and so i was like the next baby it's gonna be all out took out my iud and the way that the way i could get an appointment um for taking out the iud and acupuncture made it so that i would conceive the next day after taking out my iud
3: um
2: with my plan and it was successful which was kind of amazing I don't know how that I mean I, I just actually feel so fortunate that I, I have had such ease with um, conceiving mm-hmm. and so I was um pregnant and uh, that pregnancy went to 13 weeks and you know how the risk of miscarriage is up to 13 weeks. And the day I, um, was 13 weeks, I started having, uh, I started bleeding. So, um, so I just tried to rest, um, upon your recommendation and I tried to just kind of relax about it, but it was, um, concerning you know that had not happened to me in previous pregnancies and
3: um anyway
2: i just tried to rest and then um that night i was sleeping and i was dreaming about shopping with one of my, one of my best friends a really deep dream here um and um in my shopping I was having contractions and I would have to stop shopping and like breathe through it. I couldn't like continue what I was doing. So I woke up and realized that I was having contractions. (laughs) Um, And I did not know anything about miscarriages. Um, I did not know that it was like that. I didn't know that it was like painful with contractions. So I thought it was just like you bleed or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, this was during COVID and, um, you know, this was like three in the morning and I woke up Pablo and I, I told him, you know, what was happening. And we decided that I needed to go to the hospital and um I had to so we had two children in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. and it was like what are our options here you know um who if both of us go who's going to stay with the kids and you know, if like, if he drove me, he wouldn't even be allowed in the ER with me. So I had to drive myself, um, an hour, like (laughs) four in the morning with these contractions, um, to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, I had to wait a very long time to get an ultrasound and, It was really hard. Um, I heard, you know, they did the like internal ultrasound and I could hear a heartbeat and I was really hoping that was like a baby heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And of course it was just my, you know, major uh, vein, my, like my leg vein, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. um, it, it was my own my own pulse that I heard. Yeah. Um, so they told me they could see the, um, the sac and no baby. There was like a, a, a full, I guess it was just, um, just the membranes with the amniotic fluid and no baby, which, what is that? A bloated, a blighted ovum or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, I was surprised they denied giving me any pain medication. And I was like, if I'm not having a baby, I, and I'm in this kind of pain, I would not mind having some real drugs, yeah. <laughs> you know, but they were like, nope, you can have some Tylenol. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was hard. That was really hard. And it was really hard to go home and, um, you know, tell Pablo what was going on. And somehow, oh, also the doctor that I saw in the, in the ER did not say you are miscarrying. There is no baby. He said something like, We can't see the baby. Why don't you come back and check on Wednesday with the OBGYN? So it was the way it was phrased was that there was still some hope, even though I knew at that point that there was no hope. Um, But but so I kind of phrased it that way um, to Pablo when I came home. So he was kind of holding out hope a little bit, too. So that was that was really hard.
1: Mm-hmm. um it, like and on. what's that it like drags the grief out you know
2: it yeah. does yeah it does and but I had kind of I mean I I I knew at that point um n- really not to have hope and I, it was it was sad and it was also I just I felt so it put things in perspective with my ease of Conceiving and my easy pregnancies and my wonderful births. Um, you know, I just felt I just had so much empathy for women that don't conceive easily and just go through the heartache um, of multiple miscarriages, maybe, or just all the things that can happen, you know. So I was like, you know, if I don't get to have my third baby we have a complete family. I'm so lucky. Everyone's healthy and we'll, we'll be just fine. You know, Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a totally. um, The experience was, I was not totally, you know, heartbroken and, and depressed and, or anything. It was like, I was, it was sad. And I also, it just gave me a lot of perspective you know yeah. um so i went to go see the obgyn um about it and and i think that's when it was made clear without any you know um any uh room for hope <laughs> that that you know that was not a viable pregnancy mm-hmm. and um and 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 pablo took it a lot harder than i did um and so they offered me like medication and stuff to speed up the process uh, or a, a dnc um but i chose just to allow my body to naturally take care of itself um So that actually was just eight weeks of bleeding, which I couldn't believe how how long that took. (laughs) I I was really, really surprised. And I'm like, oh, no wonder. Nobody actually does it naturally. Yeah. (laughs) No wonder people do the medication or the DNC because that is a long, drawn-out process.
1: Well, and I think it's great for women to hear that that's normal because a a lot of the times it is just kind of scraped out of you.
3: Yeah. Right.
1: And then you're done with it, and the idea is like, okay, you're done. Get back, you know, to life, and and I mean the the idea of like eight weeks of bleeding is, you know that this was a birth it was an early birth you know Uh is postpartum and healing and ideally you're like resting and nourishing yourself and rebuilding Mm -hmm. yourself and we live in our modern world where we have kids and we don't have a village and we get back to it and so it's hard to bleed that long you know if you're not just like resting Um, yeah yeah
2: yeah and I I don't feel like I did a lot of postpartum rest I didn't I rested as much as I felt was necessary as long as I was not, you know, feeling well, but I did feel well, um, you know, relatively soon after probably a week after the first, the beginning of it, you know, and then it was kind of life back to normal, except. Yeah. I guess it, it was kind of like this built in grieving time and, and, and honoring, you know, my body and the process and, and this loss of pregnancy, I do think that that was significant.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so then, um, okay. So also one thing with Carmen, this is not totally significant, but with my pregnancy with Carmen and this, um, the miss the care, the pregnancy that got, that was miscarried. I chose not to even, I like, I, I didn't want to do any kind of testing any kind of, you know, sonogram Doppler, none of that at all. And, um, I didn't even want to take pregnancy tests. Not that it was, um, intrusive in any way. It was just to me, logically, either I was pregnant or I was not. And I was, caring for my body in the same way whether I was or I was not <laughs> so it was just like why do I need to take a test either I'll get my period or, or I won't get my period yeah um and and that was a, like an unusual way to do it because I know i with my first one I was like gotta take a test gotta yeah. know gotta know gotta take a test yeah and so to just kind of step outside that and just allow it to either be or not be. Um, it really resonated with me and the way I want to do things. Um,
1: just like one more way of turning inward and listening to the right. body versus like an outward tool, you know, to tell you what you already know.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, it, it doesn't really as long as I am taking care of myself, if I am pregnant, uh, or not, then it's like, yeah, it's just, it's an, and um, unfolding, you know, and I will have symptoms and I will know, or, or I'll have a period and know, you know, so that was, um, yeah. Anyway, moving on to, uh, so, bled for eight weeks and then i had one um cycle i had one period and then um it was possible that i was pregnant again and i had a trip planned with pablo and my family but not the girls this is like the only time we've left them behind (laughs) um It was very exciting to have an adult vacation. And uh, we had a trip planned to Austin, Texas. And so I would have been at about four weeks if I was pregnant. And so that day that we were getting on the plane, I um, took a pregnancy test because I was like, Well, if I'm going to Austin, I mean, it's for, for my family, if we're going to Austin, we're going to be going out and dancing and having drinks every night. And if I am pregnant, I need to know about it ahead of time. I can't just let it unfold, um, because I wouldn't be caring for my body as normal, you know, um, So at like four in the morning before going to get on the plane, I took a uh, pregnancy test and it was positive. (laughs) So I had a very sober um, adult (laughs) vacation. (laughs) Um, And that was really exciting. (laughs) Um, So that was, that was my, uh, the beginning of my pregnancy with little, um, Amadeo here, and, um, so, uh, I, I don't quite, I, I, I wanted to, no, let's see, I spoke with you, um, pretty early on about, um, being the
3: midwife, it's okay, sweetheart,
2: at my, attending my birth. Um I was really excited to work with you. And you know, I have I had heard about free birth from you and I just, you know, I love talking about birth. And I um so I pretty pretty much love anything you have to say about it, you know, when we get together and, and chat. And um so we were talking um oh i said you know because home birth can be quite expensive and i i watch my pennies and i have uh health insurance with um kaiser and so i asked you um about if i can have you come just for the birth and we can if we can work that out some way and then i would endure um prenatal care with
0: um,
2: (laughs) with Kaiser because I had already with my first birth I did the western medicine thing with the OBGYNs and I I know that for me it's a matter of just enduring the condescension and the you know I don't know enough and they know everything Um, and I'm just like really silly and risky for the choices that I make, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so you were so wonderful and just like blew my mind (laughs) when you said that I didn't have to endure going, you said, yes, do whatever you want. And what is it that you feel like you do that they do for you in prenatal care and I was like well they weigh you you can do that at home you pee on a stick you can do that at home if you want to they take your blood pressure you can do that at home and it was and and oh and the last thing they do is just pressure me to do a bunch of things that I don't want to do <laughs> and you know we can skip that <laughs> <laughs> so I I had Not, and you know, having been all about home birth since the beginning and, you know, kind of like a pretty natural way of going about things, it had never, ever occurred to me that I did not have to do prenatal care. Uh I
1: know. I think I was like, you could just live your life and grow. Right. You were like, I live my life.
2: (laughs) 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 No, it was like... it, it, we are just so conditioned. It's, it just blew the roof off the house. I could not believe it because <laughs> it's like, what? No prenatal care. Only people that don't have access to prenatal care don't do prenatal care. <laughs>
3: <All> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, it makes a difference if you're like, I want to hear the baby's heartbeat. I want to like monitor my blood pressure. I, like, these things make me feel safe and good. And I want those versus like I suffer through those things so that the care provider can. Because I'm supposed
2: my... to. Yeah. Because I'm supposed
1: to. But I don't like, I don't need that, you know? Um, right. It's like, okay, well, then why do it? Just skip it.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I skipped it and yeah. it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I felt great through my whole pregnancy. It was really easy and it was so much easier to not do all the appointments and not battle any um, anybody about my choices.
1: Yeah, because it's not like the um, hospital is nearby either. The- uh, you know, no, You're
2: yeah. Like- everything's more than an hour from here, so it really takes a lot to... And then, you know, having children, it's like trying to make who's gonna watch them while i'm in the appointment or pick them up from school or whatever you know so it's uh yeah
1: yeah, for yeah. it was it for it freed
3: me called- freed it. me what's that
1: there's a tagline for it now they're calling it wild pregnancy so yes <laughs>
2: wild, yes wild um i it is wild pregnancy. I had a wild pregnancy, and it is hilarious to me how everything has a term like EC. I'm like, that's what people just did for,
3: yeah, all yeah, of like, time. Like the idea
1: of <laughs> unassisted birth or free birth, like
3: yeah, are like, right
1: like you just mean birth, right? Because that, that's all. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like we have to like differentiate. Like, what do you mean? there's <laughs> So many ways of doing. Yeah. It now.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So I had a wonderful uh, wild birth. I mean, wild pregnancy, wild pregnancy. And um, I did um, a few peyote ceremonies while I was pregnant, which was really special. Um, It was really um, one in particular. um, I just. I, I was just surrounded with this really wonderful group of people that were supporting me in my pregnancy so much, um, in that night. I didn't know them before, previous to this night, but they were just so welcoming and supportive in the moment. Um, and I, okay, so we, the first peyote ceremony I did, um, was before I was pregnant and it, we ended up building a sweat lodge on our property with the facilitators of the peyote ceremony the next day um, afterwards. And so we've had a sweat lodge on our property for um, a few years now. And um, what I had learned about the sweat lodge is that it represented mother earth's womb and you're going back into the womb and also that it was um at least in the mexica um like ancient mexican traditions it was um like the first hospital where people were healed and um women would give birth in the um in the temescal the sweat lodge and so somehow it just kind of came upon me to maybe give birth in our own sweat lodge here mm-hmm. and um and it just kind of made sense you know i the more i i learned about it um the the I I learned that it was supposed to ease, uh, labor to be in in the sweat lodge, and so I I back to this one um night of peyote peyote ceremony where I was, you know, really lifted up and supported, uh, with this group we were with. I I kind of had this whole, I had the whole birth planned out before me, um, throughout this night. It was really amazing it was like okay the temescal it's going to be daytime because then a little bit of light will come through it won't be totally dark in there and it also you know i was due at the end of january which is the dead of winter um and so it's going to be daylight i mean it's going to be daytime because it won't be so cold we can't how am i going to take a newborn baby out of a warm sweat lodge into the freezing winter air um yeah. and so it all and and at that uh it, so the 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 vision it wasn't like an actual vision that i saw it happening it was just this idea of the vision of the birth came to me that night in that ceremony and it was so amazing to just be like wow that would be so great if 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 that's how we get to do it yeah. um And it occurred to me at that night also to take peyote during the birth, which I had also heard is an ancient, you know, kind of tradition for, for um, birth um, and and an aid in birth. Um, So we, at, at the same time, I know that, birth you can't really plan for it you know so this was not a hard and fast plan it was an idea that would be beautiful if it worked out yeah, yeah. um so
1: yeah because i remember we, we were talking about it um uh-huh. we were like i still want like bring the birth to bring like the birth kit with the chucks pads because you're like if i'm outside i'll just b- bleed into the earth but if i'm inside i don't want to bleed all over my house
2: <laughs> you know yeah right and i'm like i don't know what i'm going to want maybe i want to be inside my house all cozy not in the winter air out there you yeah. know yeah. <laughs> maybe i want to be in a birth tub cuz i love baths <laughs> you
3: know <laughs> who knows
2: yeah let's have that just in case um and uh so Then, uh, we started getting closer to the end of January and, um, we set up the teepee poles. Let's see. I was, I think I was just about 40 weeks when we set up the teepee poles. Um, we had just gotten our own teepee, which was so exciting and we had, we were saving it. Like a friend had asked to borrow it for a ceremony and we were like, no, we're saving it for the birth. Um, and we wanted that. We wanted this experience to be the first time this TP was used. Um, So we set up the poles when I was about 40 weeks and um our friend who lives nearby, he's like, just call me when the water breaks and I'll come and help you. I, yeah, I live eight minutes away. I'll help you set up the canvas, which is huge. This is a 30 foot teepee. I, um, and I saw it and
1: was like, so impressed that you guys set that up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the plan was, I mean, I should have just said, why don't you guys just put on the canvas now? Mm-hmm. I'm 40 weeks and you know, obviously this I don't expect this guy to know about birth and stuff and it's like oh when your water breaks it could be the baby is going to be born immediately it's yeah. not like you yeah. know like well, I'm not going to call you when my water breaks <laughs> 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 we and and uh, I'd rather not wait to have the TP set up until my you know until after my water breaks. You're like 1am
1: um, pushing water breaks, like okay, call. Yeah, us.
2: right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I should have said, how about you guys just set it up now? Cause you know, but the thing is you're not supposed to have a teepee You're supposed to use it and put it away. It's okay. it it damages it to have it out in the weather. Mm-hmm. So that is why we did not um set it up at that moment when we set up the pulse. Um so then uh, at 40 weeks and three days um, I was painting my bedroom and I had been painting my bedroom. I was very pregnant. So it took me a long time to do projects, you know? Um, So it had been like a two week long project of painting my bedroom and I'd been painting all day long. And at about 6 PM, I finished up the last drop of paint. It was not, it was so amazing to me because it was not mid project that, that this happened. It was like, as soon as the project was done, I started having contractions. And um, I was like, well, I've been working pretty hard all day and th- this could just be some stronger uh, Braxton Hicks because with my first two pregnancies, I had zero Braxton Hicks. Mm-hmm. With my third one, I had Braxton Hicks starting at like sixteen weeks, mm-hmm. and they would just get stronger throughout the pregnancy. So by they were pretty strong by the time I um, uh, actually went into labor, and um, you know, with the beginning labor ones were not that different from the end of the Braxton Hicks once so I was like well maybe they're just stronger because I've been I'm tired I'm I'll lay down for an hour um so I laid down and uh they were they were not easing up and so I was like oh I think I think that things are actually starting we maybe we'll have a baby tonight (laughs) and uh and Did you think that
1: so, your other two births it was like you had days
2: i know i know i don't know maybe
1: not again or?
2: i i should have been thinking you know many days because of the first two but there was i i felt be, well i guess because i heard from so many people that the third one's way easier mm-hmm. um and I wonder if the, if I had gone a different route with my activity level, if he would have been born that night, not before midnight, but you know, in the night. Uh-huh. Um, so at like, I think around eight o'clock, I made dinner for the girls and told Pablo that I was in labor and I called you and said contractions had started, but the baby's not coming yet.
3: And I'll call
2: you when it, the baby's coming. Um, cause I knew it could be a while for sure. Um, and so Pablo just like kicked into gear. He's like, okay, we got to get the teepee set up. <laughs> and he had been preparing, um, he had been preparing the sweat lodge. That was all ready to go. Um, he had this beautiful, like, I i actually should mention, he had been preparing probably the whole month of January. Um, and here we were on January 29th, um, the grounds for the birth. It was really... I, some point I got kind of irritated because I was like I asked you to set up the crib and you have to like rake out there again you know (laughs) (laughs) like he spent a lot of time out there getting things just right and I would see him like offering up each log that was going to be burned um I, I saw, saw him offering
3: each log
2: to the four directions and, you know, this, this great spirit. And, and it was really beautiful. The intention that went into his preparation for the birth. Um, and uh, so when it was time to kick into gear, I mean, when I told him, I didn't tell him kick into gear, but it, he was like, okay, things are happening. The teepee's not set up. So we, we had to go down and a 30 foot teepee is a heavy, heavy canvas. And you tie the canvas onto the last pole and then you place the last pole where it belongs. And then you unwrap it around the poles. Um, so I was in labor and he lifted this pole and canvas all by himself. And I tried to like grab and tug on it as it was going up, but I'm sure I did nothing, but <laughs> I put my foot on the bottom of the pole. So it didn't scoot away from him as he's pushing it up, you know? Um, and we got the TP up, just the two of us. I mean, just the one. And I mean, barely any help for me, yeah. but. Yeah. So then it was like, okay, the teepee canvas, we got that on. And then I'm scrambling around for all the things that I thought that I wanted in the teepee. We had to set up a bed for ourselves and for the girls. And we put tarps down on the ground or canvas down on the ground and then I wanted the birth ball in case I wanted to be on the birth ball and I wanted a drying rack Um, like a clothes drying rack to have warm receiving blankets for the baby and like all the little things I needed the coconut water and we need a cooler for drinks for the midwives when they come and like there were so many little things to get together to make it this space that we wanted it um and so Pablo and I were I mean, Pablo was doing all the work. I was doing the gathering and he was doing the hauling and setting up, you know. Um, And well, I was laboring. So that was work. (laughs) I was the one having the baby. but (laughs) I didn't do any manual labor. (laughs) So at around midnight we felt like everything was in place. We f- had put the girls to bed in a teepee. Pablo had the fire going and um, our beds were made and it was finally like, okay, this is this is our setup. Um, we're, we're ready to have a baby now. We can have the baby because things are in place, right? And I had been painting all day and then scrambling to collect all the things. And, um, at midnight, I was like, I'm really tired. I don't feel like having a baby right now. Um, so I decided to rest (laughs) instead. And that's where I feel like maybe it could have gone a different direction if I was like, okay, let's have this baby right now. I'm going to stay active and maybe, I, I, my labor would have picked up and maybe I would have had the baby that night, but, um, I really wanted to rest. So I was like, maybe my contractions will slow down if I just lay down and, and try that. So, um, I made a tobacco offering with the fire with, and a prayer. Um, and I took a spoon of peyote and just set my intention for, the birth experience which was to release all fear and doubt and to stay connected to myself and my baby and um and then i laid down and um i didn't get up until 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. and um throughout the night i was you know awake in between contractions i slept pretty well in between contractions, but I, I was definitely awake a lot because of the contractions that were getting progressively stronger and probably close together. One thing I wish I had not done was tried to keep track of the contractions. I was like, I need to keep track so I can tell Sophia when they're a certain amount apart. Um, but instead I just was like on and off the screen, which was really disturbing to me you know and like waking up and being like where's the phone I needed to do a time the contraction oh I fell asleep after the last contraction so it looks like a 16 minute contraction or you know it was like yeah uh, yeah kind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I kind of to ridiculous people if
0: you're
1: if you're gonna time then you're gonna time and if not like when you feel you need me you know like that's basically what we're judging or like you'll feel it progress in intensity and now it's up to like the next level of intensity. And mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. You feel like it's really strong. Then maybe time it then for a little, if you want to see,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: but yeah, it's tricky when you're trying to like, um, when you, if you have everything you need, then you just are in labor land. But if you're trying to like get people to you, yeah, it could be a little tricky.
2: Yeah. And you're an hour away too. right. Um, right. So, I just was, I was trying to like, I don't know. I wish I hadn't, but I did so anyway. I, I it was fine.
1: Call me when your waters break and then I'll come. And, <laughs> and yeah, I'll be right. up to TV. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
2: Um, so then, um yeah. So my, my contractions were getting progressively stronger throughout the night until I decided to get up at nine and I just laid there and moaned all night. I mean, I actually, I got up and peed a lot. I was drinking a lot of coconut water and I had to pee more than I would ex- have expected to. So I just went and peed outside and, um, you know, we usually burn Oak, but we only had pine at that Time and Pablo was having to get up very frequently to stoke the fire to keep us warm enough, and um, he was tired too. Mm -hmm. And so, at one point, he was snoring so loud, and the uh fire was getting low, and I was like, I'll just do the fire, I can do the fire too. So, um, when I got up to pee, I, I grabbed some wood and stoked the fire went back to my moaning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so then at nine o'clock I was, I was ready. I felt rested, you know, and I got up and I was, I mean, I was probably pretty loud at this point already. Um, Oh, I forgot. This is a quick jump back to the second birth with Carmen. Mm -hmm. I was, yelling so or moaning or whatever you making a noise so loud inside the house that my donkeys were braying with me outside of the house like i must have sounded like a braying donkey because they were totally braying with me the whole time That's so sweet. <laughs> it really was sweet um okay back to nine o'clock And I decided that I was going to try to poop. So I walked back up to the house and walking. I mean, it's not very close to the house. It's not super far, but it's, you know, up a little hill and, um, you know, a little distance. And like, I, I was having to like, stop for contractions at that point. Um, I got into the house and I had a very strong contraction that had me down on my hands and knees. My water broke at that point. Carmen was with me and, um, and my water broke Mm -hmm. and all night I was resting in the sleeping bags in the teepee and one kind of little tiny worry on the back of my head mind was I really don't want my water to break in the sleeping bag because I knew I wanted to get back in there after the birth and I did not want a soggy sleeping bag (laughs) so my water broke in the house when I had spent all night outside of the house but it broke in the house but on the tile and I was so relieved so I told Pablo get a towel my water broke And then I had to throw up. And so I threw up into the towel and it was a one towel, instantly clean mess. (laughs) I was like, so pleased about (laughs) it. So efficient. Yes. So pleased about that. So I called you, um, and you know, I think you asked me about my night and I started to tell you, um, About my night, you know, resting and, and, and I told you that my water broke and that I threw up and I had to stop our conversation in order to moan through a, a a contraction and you're like, stop telling me about your night. I have to go, I have to get in the car and get to you. (laughs) No more chatting. I need to drive to you right now. Yeah, I
1: was like, (laughs) actually, I'll just come.
2: (laughs) (laughs) so um as soon as uh my water broke pablo started the fire for the sweat lodge Mm -hmm. and um within 20 minutes i think i was um in the sweat lodge and just and and i just laid there and just let it happened you know it was like i didn't feel like moving around it was it was more of the same basically throughout the night it was like just allowing it to move through me i did not feel i did not want to do something that i didn't feel like doing from within which was very different from my first two births where it was all suggestions from without Mm -hmm. um you know, any movement, any positions, any whatever. So I didn't feel like doing anything. So I just laid there yeah, and had man. my contractions, you know, it, you know, and you hear about women like, it felt like being in a certain position or felt like being more active or whatever, but it was like, I just laid there and, and let it happen. And I don't think I even noticed you come in. Um I noticed you were there at some point, but I don't think I particularly took note of you even coming into the into the sweat lodge. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I remember um, Pablo offering more medicine
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I, I was at a, like a nonverbal point. And I, I feel like anything, anyone asked me, I just said, I don't know. Um, and then I asked for a coconut water and, uh, it was brought to me and I could manage to get the lid off, but I couldn't bring it to my own mouth. Mm -hmm. And so you went and got a straw or you asked Pablo for a straw Mm -hmm. and, uh, which is, you know, an amazing midwifery tool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Some people are like, what do I need for my home birth? I'm like, Pretty
3: much
2: a bendy straw, ideally. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> so I, um, a straw was brought and you just kind of shoved it in my face and either I wanted it or I didn't. And I think Pablo picked up on that because all of a sudden there was a spoon of peyote in my face and either I would take it or not, you know, yeah. instead of asking me if I'm like, I don't know if I want that. Uh-huh. Um, so I, So I did take that. Um, and, um, then I still just laid there, um, and had some coconut water and, and, um, eventually we tried some different positions. Um, I think you gently suggested that sometimes being upright is helpful. And, um, so I tried that and, um,
1: yeah. I think you might've like either referenced it verbally or with your body that like either your uh-huh. hips were really hurting or something was really hurting and you were kind of laying on your side and,
3: and uh-huh.
1: yeah, I was saying, you know, your hips are opening and if you, you could try, it, uh-huh. try it and see if that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so then I was like, you know, basically on my hands and knees, most of the time I did use the like the um structure of the of the sweat lodge a bit to kind of pull against but it felt better to me to be on my hands and knees but what was interesting is I always expected hands to what's that, that
1: that picture of you holding on to the sweat lodge In a deep squat is like one of my Uh favorite photos. Oh my gosh, you just look like warrior mama. Uh
2: You know, know, I I love that picture. That really is such a beautiful picture, and I am so thankful that you were there to um, take that. (laughs) Thank you for doing that because that was that really is a really special photo to me, Um, and it's It's really funny because I had been considering free birth at some point, but I wanted you there. I just wanted someone there to take care of me other than Pablo. I wanted a female there because I felt like Pablo was he is amazing and he's doing so much, and he just really made the set he's the setting for the birth so perfect, mm-hmm. and also he's not. I don't know, you know, he's, he's not a midwife who has been through births and, and someone who um, is in a, I don't know, a a caretaking position like you are. So I wanted to be there for that.
1: That's what traditional midwifery was and is. mm -hmm. It's not the vaginal exams and all that. It's, It's being with women while they go through their process.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really what it was. I really I, it to me it did feel like a free birth, even though you were there, you know. Um, because I was just it was just me and Amadeo, you know. I, like he and I were really I was really communicating a lot with Amadeo through this birth, which is something that never occurred to me with uh, with my first two. It was just me trying to have a baby with the first two, and with this, it was like it you know I was communicating with him a lot and just like it's you and me we're doing this together yeah um so I got up so I was on my hands and knees but not like with my butt up I was like on my hands and knees with my butt down kind of and um at some point I felt him moving down through me and that felt so good like the contractions were pretty difficult you know and and I don't really like to use the word pain with birth but if it were in another situation I would use the word pain. Yeah. <laughs> because there, it's it's hard it's really hard yeah. um but once he started moving it felt so good mm-hmm. and I didn't I wouldn't say really that I felt the urge to push in like I don't know it I just felt that my body just like expelled him yeah. not that I pushed him at all mm-hmm. it just I just felt things doing what they were supposed to do and he came out mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it, which is really different than like actively trying to push him out mm-hmm. um, and and so his head came out which I obviously could feel his head come out and I didn't really realize that nobody else, well, you probably, maybe you knew because you've been in birth, but Pablo didn't know that Uh. his head was out because of the way I was positioned with my butt down, Uh. kind of like in the other direction from you. So I look up at Pablo with this uh, look of like relief and like. The baby's here. The head is out, you know, but I'm nonverbal. So I just look at him and he like looks back at me and has no idea why I'm looking at him in that way. You know? <laughs> He's
3: like, we're just having a moment and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I was
1: I was sharing with Emma, who was there to assist me, um uh-huh.
3: that
1: you we know, were nonverbally communicating. And like you said, it was dark in there, but there was like just a little bit of light that would shine through and um, she was be, like yeah. taking pictures and recording a video quietly on on the phone, and um and I could hear like your labia separating. Yeah. Um, oh, like, huh. Not be able to see anything, and it's really dark. But to like yeah. using my other senses, and I remember mm. the baby's close because I could hear like the wetness of everything. over. Yeah,
2: right. That kind of suction her, sounding.
1: Yeah, and she just kind of, like, smiled at me, and I, like, pointed to the phone, you know, and she was like, uh, oh, okay, like, she didn't realize that the baby's about to be born, I was like, get this, uh-huh. you know, it on film, <laughs>
3: right.
1: um, yeah, so I, I could, uh, I could definitely hear it happening, even if I couldn't see it, it was really, uh, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: oh, that's really cool, I didn't realize yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so then his um yeah yeah are talking about you
3: yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> um yeah. so then the rest of his body came out and i caught him and uh i had kind of a glimpse yeah. that he was a boy but i it was so fast before i just caught you know scooped him towards me that i didn't i wouldn't have ventured to say his gender um uh-huh. without like yeah. really knowing um and then the girls just appeared um because they had left they were in the Temescal originally but had left because i sounded like a coffee machine mixed with a vacuum um is what they said and I
3: remember they couldn't we handle the
2: sounds i was making too noisy with- <laughs> Yeah, it was too noisy for them. So they left. Um, But then I guess they heard him crying. And, you know, out of the three births, um, he is the only one who cried. The other two just went straight to the breast and didn't cry at all. Uh Um, So he gave he started his little crying and they heard him and came right in. And um, I think it was Carmen who. Asked if it was a boy or a girl and so we confirmed that he was a boy and that was really exciting because we already had our two girls and um yeah so then um you know i i see your instagram posts and i see that you always You know, with like the placenta and stuff, you know, you give it, give the gold an hour before the placenta or, you know, when it, whenever it comes and and, um, and, and you, you wrote something like, it can seem like a really short amount of time for the mother. And I'm, from my memory, I'm like, so he came out, we laid down for a second, then it was time to get out of the Temescal and And then, and then Sophia asked about the placenta and like, what are we going to do about that? Which is so funny because, you know, you have to crawl to get into um, a sweat lodge and it was like, okay, how are we going to do this? Because you have this placenta attached to you in a bowl and are you going to, Oh, try to crawl out with the baby with the placenta attached and someone follows you with the bowl or do you want to try to birth it now and i was like how about let's get it out before before we leave that would be the easiest way to do it i
1: remember like um, you could just like lift it up you know like lift it up and you just like walk out into the or something. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah so um <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I birthed uh, the placenta pretty easily, um, uh, and or yeah, the baby right? No, I I was saying that wrong, but yeah, I had the baby attached to me and And how do we do that? And how about we just get the placenta out? so that I can pass someone the baby <laughs> um, um yeah, so we did that, and it did seem just like minutes later, yeah. and then we were in the um and and I also read like we we you know do the weighing of the baby if the parents want it, you know hours later after the the golden hour and stuff and i'm like that felt like 20 minutes later
3: <laughs> i can't <laughs> believe
2: how the time i'm uh yeah th- the time warp there uh, and like um, your
1: placenta it came it came out um like 40 minutes after he was born okay uh-huh um yeah and then. yeah it
2: felt like just three minutes later
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um we weighed him around um two o'clock in the afternoon um
2: and yeah and he was born at 11 (laughs) so that's just crazy it's so funny um so we went we moved from the sweat lodge to the teepee and laid down in our not soggy sleeping bag (laughs) (laughs) and um yeah i mean it was just so so beautiful and it felt like a ceremony to me after having done you know peyote ceremonies and ayahuasca ceremony this birth felt like a ceremony it was so like parallel one thing being in the Mm teepee and just going through the night and maybe having a hard night you know it can be really hard because you're you're up all night and it can be really hard to get through that night and that's how it was it was like you just do it you just you know it's just part of i don't know part of the ceremony
1: yeah it's just because um something's wrong
2: right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah not at all and and you know a lot of a lot of um benefits come from doing the work you know with obviously with birth you get your baby um and and in in ceremony you have a lot of benefits through doing the hard work too um so it was yeah it was really similar so anyway we um so you know there was it was so perfect that way it was so parallel with laboring through the night in the teepee and then in the morning well uh, later in the morning um with the baby being born is like the end the daylight coming at the end of a ceremony is always so uplifting and 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 so joyful and and full of love and everything and so it was it was so like that um yeah so it felt like just so beautiful and so easy. And for me, I mean, from first contraction to birth was 17 hours, which is speedy compared to my other two. Um, and yeah, it, it felt like just like hanging out. Um, afterwards getting into the teepee you know and hanging out with you and emma and and the girls you know and then uh we did the um burning of the cord at your suggestion which is was so perfect um you know a perfect kind of closing ceremony this
1: conversation with you when we were talking you were pregnant about what you want. yeah And you were painting this whole visual for me of the sweat lodge and the teepee. And then you're like, Mm -hmm. and then we'll, you'll, you know, cut the cord with your instruments. And I was just like,
2: well, no, I didn't say that. I just didn't have, I just didn't think about it. I didn't say, and then you'll cut the cord, but I think you were like, have you given any thought to what you want done with the cord like that? And I'm like, Nope, I don't care. (laughs) I I I
1: we can't do all that and then like bring
2: in these scissors and like and you know what i don't think i think it is you're bringing that up was so perfect that if i'm not mistaken you're not even supposed to have scissors or a knife in the teepee
3: oh interesting Mm
2: -hmm. yeah so we you know, to follow the teepee rules, we couldn't have done it that way anyway. <laughs> so it just happened to be perfect, of course. <laughs> uh,
1: and actually, after you, since your your birth, um, I had Spencer make me a cord burning box. um, Because I was oh, a little, like, struggle with, like, the dish was a little shallow and, like, you almost spilled the wax. Right. So I was like, I need some sort right. of thing I can bring. Um, So now I have Right, it. right. <laughs>
2: that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you provide that for, uh, that suggestion and service for your clients. Um, so yeah, that was just another perfect piece. Um, and then we, um, you know, well, then we just hung out, right. I mean, that's that's, good. It was just so pleasant. Um, and then you guys took off right away from my time was so speedy (laughs) for me then the midwives just left right away um no after several hours and the weighing of the baby and all that um and then um we just rested we just napped in in the sleeping bags in the teepee until it got to be later in the day and we wanted to get to the house before it started to get darker and colder because it it had been very frosty nights and stuff. Um so we we didn't want to move our little our little new sweetie in the in the cold air. So
3: yeah we
2: came up to the house and that was that.
0: And how was um so postpartum
2: postpartum was a lot more difficult this time. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Postpartum was, um, this time I was better educated about postpartum. I had uh, been, I had met a woman who was a postpartum doula who actually gave me a lot of information about resting and recommended reading um, the first 40 days. And um, so I it, I knew a lot more about the necessity for rest and recuperation during, um, the postpartum time. And I, uh, talked to Pablo about it and we decided that I was going to do 40 days of rest. And, um, I didn't really think that that would look like 40 days of, Only in bed, but just taking things easier and having him take over my normal uh, duties with, with the girls and, um, you know, with the household, which he did beautifully. Um, And then at about a week and a half after the birth, um, I he he took the girls grocery shopping and while he was away I got super sick like I was gonna faint I had a high fever of like 102 I felt like I was gonna pass out I had this tiny baby and I was like come back (laughs) Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe like the one time he leaves the house um that I got so sick, and uh, it turns out that I had mastitis, and I did not think that was a big deal, because I had had it with Carmen, and it was not a big deal. And although with Carmen, I did not get a 102 fever and feel like I was going to pass out, it was like kind of no big deal with Carmen. But it was suddenly a big deal with, uh, this time around and I wanted to heal it naturally. So I got in touch with you about, uh, you know, healing options. And, um, I, I was in touch with this postpartum doula friend of mine also, um, who just around that time had started. She she wasn't able to come immediately postpartum Um, but I hired her so she was starting to come during that time too and um, it just kept getting worse I mean it was only on one breast and it was swollen to like unbelievable dimensions and bright red and so painful and I just thought it would kind of clear up like I would take some herbs rest and it would clear up and it did not and it went on and on and on through like six weeks of being really sick I could not get out of bed um and I think if I had maybe taken it more seriously at the very beginning that it wouldn't have required so much to um get through it but um but I didn't take it seriously at first. And then any, and I was doing like, I had to hand write and then my mom typed up like the schedule of what I would do. Like every half hour I was doing something, cabbage leaves, Epsom salt bath, this and that and this and that. And so many supplements and different things. Like unbelievable. I've never had that kind of care. I've yeah. never needed that kind of care in my life. Um, And eventually it did clear up after a very long time, um, of suffering, (laughs) you know, and if I were not so committed to, um, natural healing, it would have been gone with antibiotics in three days, but I did not want to subject my baby to antibiotics through the breast milk. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that was that, that was really hard. Um, and by the time I was well, my 40, week, 40 days were up. It was like, <laughs> I, it, it's like amazing that I wouldn't, I don't feel like I would have stayed in bed and rested as I should have if I hadn't been forced to with mastitis. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And it was so funny before the right before the mastitis, I was thinking, oh, i only have one sore nipple i thought maybe with the third baby i wouldn't have sore nipples for the six week period but i only have one so i guess that's better than both being sore for six weeks and then it just the one that was sore it was the one that just like blew up into so much more than i ever had with the first two but um you know i nursed through it and nursing went just fine with him and and um any there was no other postpartum complications or anything and all is well
3: <laughs> huh.
2: that's my story
1: <laughs> uh, what a what a amazing journey you've been on and how many different topics you were able to like touch on from your
3: experiences
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um I remember Emma and I we would joke after having the experience in the sweat lodge and we were like, cause we like crawled back in the sweat lodge so we could, you know, we were trying to pretend we were, you know, uh, these professional <laughs> modern midwives and like, okay, let's chart something for this birth. Um, so <laughs> estimate her blood loss and we crawled in and we shined a little flashlight and we were like, the ground was just like, <laughs> like sucked it all up. We were uh-huh. like, okay, we'll write down like a hundred.
3: We'll <laughs> just like, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah I remember we we used to joke afterwards we're like oh we have to go back to boring old home births after this (laughs) but one thing I wanted to mention was the lack of trash at that birth Mm, mm -hmm. because when we were like you know normally we've got like a, a big old bag of like dirty linens and a big old bag of used chucks pads and you know things like that and we use like a towel, I think, to wipe a little blood off your leg.
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: Laid in the TV. and that I think we the only trash we had was we had blood typed the baby through the plus. Oh yeah, um, and uh-huh. so had our little like you know trash from that, but other than that, there was nothing. We were like. In that moment, we had never been more aware of how much garbage we create at home birth.
2: Right, yeah, I remember talking with you about that ahead of time of, of, you know, the idea that um, in some traditions and some women do it still um, of giving their monthly blood back to the earth because it's so nourishing, right? And so it occurred to me that like, I would love to give my all my baby stuff back to the earth, you know, because talk about nourishing, right? I mean, I just grew a baby with that.
3: Um,
2: and I, with the first two births, I remembered the Chuck's pads and it just like, I don't use disposable pads and, and, you know, with my period, I, I use a reusable thing and I really, um, you know, feel strongly about that. And the Chuck's pads just kind of grossed me out Mm -hmm. so um i was so delighted to just give it to the earth and and skip that part yeah yeah it's so cool Well,
1: yeah well thank you again and um you know we get my to pleasure
2: thanks for to inviting to me
1: hang out in in real life and yeah have our kids play together so I can't wait to see you again
2: <laughs> me too we gotta see.
1: thanks everybody for listening you can find us at Born Wild Podcast on instagram for inquiries or feedback, you can email us at bornwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me, Emma Ray, on Instagram at Emma Ray R E A, Sophia at SophiaBirth.com, and me, Leah at Bay Area Home Birth. We would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more people. And as always, Stay wild.